Shalom and welcome to the Jewish Mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. One of, the, one of life's greatest challenges is our frustration in not being successful, which often bleeds over into jealousy and resentment. Yes, there is the effort part of success, which is called hishtadlut. We each need to get over any human perception of a contradiction between hishtadlut versus emuna, effort versus faith and acceptance. Yes, we even have to get over our human perception of the Jewish concept, who is rich, he who is happy in his lot. And after getting over our human perceptions of effort, faith, acceptance, wealth and happiness, we then find that all is true. God wants us to put in effort with faith and acceptance and God wants us to be happy in the present situation while working on becoming as rich as our God-given talents and capacities allow for us to be. The non-spiritual question of all of the above is built on the terminology of effort, talent and luck. Luck plays a big role in whether we are successful or not. The Talmud actually tells us that being rich or being poor is bemazla talia, hangs on luck. It is this luck factor that we speak of. It is this luck factor that causes so much frustration, jealousy and resentment to he who puts in the time and effort and yet tastes no success. Can one change their mazal, luck? The Jewish answer is absolutely yes. Well, the second question then is, how can one change their mazal? The answer is to understand what mazal is. is it is an alignment of the spiritual celestial orbits and constellations as they express themselves in the physical stars and constellations, which is a true study of astrology, of which Abraham was a student. The answer is yes. However, after Abraham saw through astrology that he and Sarah were not to have children and God went to bless Abraham with a child, God said to Abraham and he took him outside. He, God, said to him, Abraham, go out of your astrology for you have seen in the signs of the zodiac that Abraham is not destined to have a son. Thus, while Mazel is the alignment of constellations and orbits of celestial beings, nevertheless, God clearly tells Abraham that there is something greater and more powerful which can actually change one's luck. Thus, we will now define Mazal as King Solomon does, Birkat Hashem, God's blessing. And the question now becomes how to change one's predefined astrological Mazal by becoming a receiver of the Mazal of Birkat Hashem, God's blessings. In this lecture, built upon a mimer of the Rebbe delivered on the 19th of Kislev, 1957, on the redemption of Rabbi Shneir Zaman of Liadi, the Alter Rebbe, from the Tsarist prison in 1798, we will learn how to become a vessel for the Mazal of God's blessings. The verse in Isaiah states, and all your children shall be disciples of God, and your children's peace shall increase. Upon this verse, our sages teach, don't read Banoyech, your sons, but read Boynoyech, your builders. This teaching refers to the second Banoyech, your sons, of the verse. 
It says, and your children's peace shall increase. And not the first Banayich, your sons of the verse, which is, and, your, and all your children shall be disciples of God. But why, well, why change a second Banayich and not the first? In order to understand this, we are going to delve a bit into what the first one is speaking of when the verse refers to the Banayich as disciples of God. The Hebrew word for disciples in the verse is loimdei, of which we find two interpretations in the context of this verse. One, this refers to the sages who through their study of Torah, which is the wisdom of God, become the disciples of God. The second comes from Rabdov Ber, the Magad of Mizrich, in which the word loinde is defined as teacher rather than disciple. The verse is now saying that we are the teachers of God. We will understand this concept of us being the teachers of God through understanding how the sages caused miracles, such as the story of Choni Hamagel, who drew a circle in the ground around himself and said that he will not step out of it until God sends rain. Or as that of Moses, who changed God's decision to annihilate the Jews after they sinned with the golden calf. The Zohar explains this as, Moses grasped God, so to speak, by his arm and his body, which means as one who takes his friend by the hand and does not leave him alone until he goes and changes his mind. So too Moses grasped him, God, and changed his, God's, blessed will. We find the same with the sage Rabbi Yeshua, when a heavenly voice rang out and stated the verdict in a case. And Rabbi Yeshua responded with, we do not pay heed to a heavenly voice when it comes to ruling on a case. The Holy One, blessed be He, then said, My sons have defeated me. My sons have defeated me. Thus we find that the disciples of God become the teacher of God, so to speak. On a Kabbalistic level, Hasidus explains this concept of our becoming the teachers of God, so to speak, through the holy and effable Tetragrammaton, whose four letters describes the contraction, expansion, descent, and expansion of the infinite light. Being that God has made that, as the verse in Psalm says, God is your shadow, meaning that God responds and reacts as a shadow to our service. Thus, it is specifically through our service of ebb and flow that creates the infinite light's evolution so that it be revealed in our universe through the process of the ineffable Tetragrammaton. Thus, we are truly the teachers of God as we are the ones creating His infinite light and infinite will, so to speak. What is the ebb and flow service through which we create the ineffable tetragrammaton evolution of the infinite light? It is the three services of Torah study, mitzvot observance, and prayer. However, the primary auspicious time to make of ourselves a vessel to receive the mazal of God's blessing is in the service of prayer, which in itself has both dimensions, ebb and flow. When we pray to God from the depths of our needs, we are ebbing from below to above. However, there is a pinnacle in prayer, the moment before the Amidah in which we say the verse, My Master, open my lips and let my mouth speak your praise. In this dimension of prayer, we are praying for God's need, so to speak, to have unity and oneness in the world, where we create 
and your children's peace shall increase, which mystically these words in the verse mean that your sons make of the many increase oneness, peace. That's what it means that your children's peace shall increase, means that we shall make from increase the many peace, oneness. Thus the sages express the sons being the builders precisely at the second part of the verse in which we speak of the transformation from the many to the one. Now I do want to make a note here. I am putting together the teachings of two consecutive Maimorim of the Rebbe. However, in the second Maimorim, the Rebbe defines the transformation of the many to the one through the study of the oral law. It is in the first Maimorim that the Rebbe speaks of prayer as being the house and the guardianship, as we will soon explain. Thus, we will now explore the art of pottery, making of ourselves a vessel through prayer, in which we will change our luck from the predestined astrological mazal to the birkat Hashem mazal. And now for the list of mystical concepts we need to explore in order to understand this lecture. A. The barren mother. B. The homemaker. C. Chakika mibachutz. Outside etching. D. Chakika mibipnim. Inside etching. Then the E. Yosis, which equals 620. Yesh, which equals 310. And Kana, which equals 150. Okay, there's the list. And let the amazement of Hasidus begin. Okay, let's start with the barren mother. Under the chuppah, we make the seven blessings of the groom and the bride. The fifth blessing begins with, and I quote, The barren woman will surely exult and be glad in gathering her children to herself joyfully. The question is, if she is barren, how is she gathering her children to herself? The simple interpretation is that she is now barren, but now that she's getting married and under the chuppah, we bless her that she surely will have children to gather to herself in the future. However, on a mystical level, the verse is saying that the barren woman will gather her children. Well, if she is barren, then she has no children to gather. And if she has children to gather, then she is not barren. In Kabbalah Hasidus, mother refers to the intellectual faculty of understanding from which offspring are born. The offspring refers to emotions, which are primarily love and awe, from which all other emotions are offshoots. Thus, we now see that we are speaking of our service of understanding God's greatness, exaltedness, kindness, strength, compassion, and humility through which he gives, we give birth to feelings for God. When we study, consecrate, and concentrate, and focus to the point of fully digesting, personalizing, and internalizing what we understand about God's being the source of life, our protector, and our director, with infinite kindness and compassion, we respond with the emotion of love towards God. When we do the same process of understanding towards God's infinite greatness and exaltedness, we respond with the emotion of fear and awe towards God. Let us now return to the Chuppah blessing. We are speaking of a barren mother, process of understanding, who A. has no emotion offspring, and nevertheless B. is gathering her offspring emotions to herself with joy and gladness. How can this be? This dichotomy of being a barren woman who gathers her children can only be if the woman is a homemaker. In Kabbalah Hasidus, the three human necessities of food, 
clothing, and shelter is defined in their spiritual service dimension for these three needs of the soul. The job of shelter is to A, protect us from the outside, and B, to provide a home for us inside. The mother, as a homemaker, is our understanding capacity, A, protecting our emotions from outside dangers, and B, gathering us under her gladness, motherhood inside. This is the double service of prayer. To fully understand this, we will explore the art of pottery in which we create a vessel to receive, such as a cup, for example. For ultimately, the great human experience of feelings is in order to open us up to a relationship with which we can then connect and receive. As a matter of fact, in the world of Kabbalah and Hasidis, the primary focus of prayer is to refine and cultivate our healthy emotions through which we connect to God, the ultimate provider, and to have our needs fulfilled. According to Hasidus, there are two processes we, we must perform in order to create a vessel. One is called Chakika Mibachutz, which means to first cut away and get rid of all that isn't needed from the outside. On the spiritual level of understanding and emotions, this means that we are going to have to cut away unhealthy and impure emotions. A love driven by the animalistic soul's perception of life pleasure, and need of validation is unhealthy as it is impure. So too a fear driven by the animalistic soul's perception of life, pain, and lack is unhealthy as it is impure. Before we can work on our insides as a vessel, we need to first start defining the boundaries of our outsides. We do this at the chuppah, where before we perform the marriage ceremony, we first perform the betrothal ceremony, by the groom putting a ring on the bride's finger, saying, You are mikudeshet unto me. The word mikudeshet comes from the word kadosh, which means holy. What exactly is the groom and the bride agreeing to in this transaction? Our sages define the word kadosh, consecrated, to mean separated from. What the groom and the bride are committing to here is the separation from all others. Only after this can they perform the marriage in which they are wholly giving themselves, giving themselves to each other and becoming one. Thus, the first step of being a mother, a homemaking, a homemaker, creating a safe home for her offspring emotions is to define the consecration boundaries of whose offsprings they are not. In prayers, this means that our emotions will be the offspring of the godly soul's understanding and perception of reality and goodness. In other words, we are first defining that our feelings not be driven by our egocentric paradigm in which I, and not God, is the center of the universe. The first primary part of prayers is called Pisuke de Zimra, which simply translates as verses of praise. Our sages instituted that before we recite this Shema and her blessings, we should first shift our paradigm from ourselves to God. Thus, our sages have us begin with experiencing verses of praise towards God for His compassion and kindness to the universe, to our forefathers, leading up to the miracles that God performed in liberating us from our slavery in Egypt. There is, <coughs> there is however, another telling interpretation to the word Pesukah de Zimra. In the closing portion of the Pesukah de Zimra, we recite the song of the sea, the song that we sang when we crossed the Sea of Reeds, in which there is a verse, Aziv Zimras, we, my strength and my praise, Zimras, praise. Rashi, however, disagrees with this interpretation of Onkelis, 
and says, The expression vizimras is an expression related to, and your vineyard you shall not prune, lo sizamer. Thus the term pesuke de zimra now reads as verses of pruning. Before we can reach a stage in prayer of fulfilling, and you shall love God your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might, we must first perform a pruning on the outside of our vessels, cutting away, disconnecting from all impure and unhealthy feelings. After the Pazuka de Zimra pruning of the outside, we then enter into the process of the Shema and her blessings, which is the opening process of etching away in the inside, creating the receptor area of the vessel. The culmination of, the pro- of this process is the Amida, which, as I mentioned earlier, begins with the total transparency of our emotions to God, with our asking for nothing more than, my master, open my lips and let my mouth speak your praise. The word Shema of the verse Shema Yisrael, Hero Israel, God is our God, God is one, is defined not merely as hearing, Shema hearing, but as intellectually hearing, which means understanding. This is how we start giving birth to, nurturing, and mothering healthy and pure emotions on the inside. Thus, our prayers for needs, the Amida, in which we make 13 blessings of asking God for our physical needs of health, sustenance, etc., now become us asking for the spiritual dimension of these needs, which is the unity and healing of the world, as the world becomes a transparent vessel to the one and only true existence, God. This, so to speak, is where we are praying for God's needs, becoming the teachers of God, fulfilling God's needs to, so to speak, creating God's infinite will and infinite light to reveal itself and its oneness throughout the universe and throughout this physical world of the many. This is how we etch away our insides, opening ourselves up to receive from God. Let us now see what we get, what we receive, when we create vessels of ourselves by etching away our outsides and our insides through prayer. In the Lachado Diheim that we sing Friday night in Kabbalah Shabbat, the sixth stance says, Your God will rejoice concerning you as a groom rejoices over a bride. Yasis Alayich Elokayich, Kimsot Chatan, Kimsos Chatan Alkala. The word will rejoice is Yasis, which is spelled Yud Shin Yud Shin, in the numerical value of 620. This is the numerical value of the supernal crown, Keter, Keter, three letters, Kof Tofresh, equals 620. However, there is a teaching in the Talmud that says, In the world to come, the Holy One, blessed be He, will make each righteous person to inherit 310 worlds. Half, not 620, 310 worlds. For it is written that I will cause those who love me to inherit Yesh. Yesh is only spelled with one Yud and Shin, 310. Yet here, through the service of prayer, in which we become a full bride to God, we are inheriting in this world, not the world to come just, in this world, Yosis, 620. The supernal crown has an exterior called long faces and an interior called ancient days. Each dimension is thus 310. 
The statement in the Talmud is speaking of the inheritance of only the exterior dimension of the supernal crown. The exterior dimension of the supernal crown is the necessity of clothing. The difference between garments and shelter is that garments can only be made to size, while shelter can be infinitely bigger, housing the small and the large alike. Thus, the 310 of the exterior dimension of the supernal crown, which is garments, needs to be fitted to the interior of which the top is the intellects of wisdom and understanding. King Solomon says, acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. The word for acquire is kana, spelled kuf nun hey, which is the numerical value of 155. Thus, wisdom and understanding each equal 155, totaling together 310. This is why the inheritance of the external dimension of the supernal crown is only 310. In other words, the external dimension of the supernal crown, garments, is part of the spiritual evolution process of the infinite light, and thus is part of the predestined astrological luck. However, when we pray and create a vessel of ourselves from the inside and the outside, we are connecting with Yasis, 620. The vessel is now beyond being just a garment necessity connection and is now also the shelter connection. This is where we transcend and connect beyond the evolution process of the infinite light and beyond the predestined astrological luck into the interior essence of the supernal crown. Prayer, when it encompasses both, the etching away on the outside and the inside, creates for us a new luck, that of the mazal of Birkat Hashem, He to Asher, the blessing of God makes rich. In closing, what we are learning here is that successful people not only know what they do want, but also first cut away what they don't want. When you listen to and read the works of Anthony Robbins and all other inspirational speakers or writers, you will always hear the difference between those who only know what they do want and those who also know what they don't want. The difference is only those who also know what they don't want. In other words, they are willing to give away what they have to in order to become who they want to be. Only these individuals actually get to feel, taste, and smell what they want. Thus, what they want becomes real. Friends, modernity offers growth and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solutions. Here at the platform of the Jewish mind is where modernity meets Judaism.